How many are looking forward to a powerful move of God in the next few moments? Hallelujah. I came to have church in this house. And uh, Brother Myers is talking about our two sons, and we have a daughter who's a very prolific teacher and, and uh, has a fantastic ministry as well. And I was preaching back in, I think it was 2014 for a large church in California, and the pastor um, was uh, getting ready to introduce me, and uh, I said, now, I said, Pastor, I said, for years, I was introduced as N.A. Urshan's son. So I said, and lately I'm introduced as Joel and Nathan's father. I said, is there no justice in the world? Oh, I, I wouldn't do that to you. Oh, no, I wouldn't do that to you. I said, well, okay, great. He gets up and says, today our speaker is the father of Nathan and Joel Urshan. Just like that. Two of our favorite preachers. He's the father of Nathan Joel Urshan. And afterwards I said, I told you not to do that. He said, oh, it just came out. (laughs) Amen. But aren't we having a time when we come together in the house of God to lift up his name in these perilous times? Amen. How many love this book today? Amen. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to preach to you for a few minutes, if you don't mind. And uh, I'm, I'm just going to haul off and preach. Gave a little testimony this morning, but we're going to preach right now. And uh, if you'll turn with me in your Bibles and stand with me for the reverence to the Word of God. Uh, we call this the Bible, but it's, it's much more than a book. It's the Word of God. And uh, it it is a dictionary of life. And uh, it's an encyclopedia of our very existence. The world, with all of its so-called educated, intelligent people, cannot figure out that this is the source of wisdom from which all knowledge comes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And uh, I'm glad to be counted among the number of those that really love the Word of God. And uh, I want to take you on a little journey this morning into uh, some things about God and about the spiritual world that we live in and uh, around, and yet we know very little about it. And uh, if you will find for me the Gospel of Luke chapter 10... And verse 30, Jesus answering said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho, fell among thieves who stripped him of his raiment, wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. And by chance there came down a certain priest that way, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. He didn't want to get his religious robes dirty. That day. And likewise, a Levite, he was at the place, came and looked at him, and Paul's passed by on the other side as well. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion on him and went to him, 
bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, set him on his own beast and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And on the next day when he departed, he took out two pence and gave them to the host and said unto him, Take care of him, whatsoever thou spendest more, when I come again, I will repay thee. I will repay thee. And, uh, of course, this story is very familiar to us. Some people have called it the story of the Good Samaritan. But it's something far, far, far deeper than that. Uh, the first two men should have immediately stopped. They did not. You would expect them to stop. They did not. They were people that were that was supposed to be their business is to help those in need. And they didn't want to be bothered that day by a serious condition. A stranger stopped. Someone who could neither gain from the situation or benefit from it in any way. And not only did he stop, but he took the man to a motel. Uh, took care of his wounds, paid for his stay there. And the story comes down to us today of, of the ministry of this stranger. And, and I want to I preach this morning on this very unusual thought. And, and the thought is, is simply this. A familiar spirit. A familiar spirit. Would you raise your hand and just tell the Lord you love him today? Hallelujah. God, we are people in your sight, in your sanctuary today. And we bow before you, Lord. It's people of your name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus, for this church and these people that love you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated in the name of the Lord. <clears throat> the devil is a powerful enemy to those who are trying to live for God. And he is so powerful uh, and he is so sophisticated and so highly intelligent that he has convinced most people he doesn't exist. Very few people believe in a real, live, personal devil. And yet, not only is he real, but he is powerfully effective. And he's completely camouflaged. He operates in ways you know nothing about. He, he plays us like a fiddle. And we don't even know he's using us. And so, part of the mission of the Word of God is not only to reach the lost and, and to, um, to save people from sin and from themselves, but to, to explain to people and to uh, rip off the mask of, of the devil for who he really is. Uh, the devil has two faces. He's, he's got one face that's very acceptable to us. And if you ever get rid of that, that mask, that 
that visage, if you ever get rid of that, you, you'll see a fang-dripping monster that is ready to tear you apart and send you into the darkness of eternity. And so when we, when we look at the Word of God and, and peruse it and study it and analyze it, uh, we, we find out uh, that the devil is interacting with so many different people in the Bible. In fact, oftentimes, in Jesus himself, on the Mount of Temptation, uh, the devil tried his best to uh, derail Jesus. If, if he's going to go after Jesus directly, he's sure going to go after us. How, how many have uh, realized that the devil has tried to discourage you and hurt you and hinder you and block your way? And uh, if you don't know that, then you need to stop by and see us afterwards so we can talk a little bit. Because <laughs> uh, he's, he's going to do it. And the Bible says this. It says he had but a little time. To work, and what I want to present to you today is is uh, one of the most powerful methods that that he has ever developed, and uh, it's been going on for thousands of years. But it but used to be it was it was kind of in a uh, in a kind of a, a small area of, of area and function, and and you didn't hear much about it. It, it like seances and spiritualist uh, witches. Uh, the Bible talks about the witch of Endor that King Saul went to, and, and the Bible says he looked for her that hath a familiar spirit. And, and what that's based on is that uh, these soothsayers would <clears throat> hold these little seances, and they would pretend uh, to call out to the uh, the deceased loved one of the person that was trying to make contact with them, and uh, they would, you know, conjure up this uh, this entity and this voice and so forth. And sometimes it was just uh, just somebody stand behind the curtain with a deep, strange sounding voice. Uh, other times uh, there was actually a, a dark spirit speaking back. But uh, Saul was trying to find a woman with a familiar spirit. And if you come down into the New Testament, you'll find that Jesus encountered this in a different way. And, and what it amounts to is that the familiar spirit over the years, the devil has realized that if he can come into someone's mind and heart that's close to you and dissuade you away from God, he has found the most effective weapon because you love this person and you have confidence in them and yet they're telling you a lie, sometimes completely unintentionally. But the devil has this sophisticated way of manipulating people's thoughts and words to you. And because you love them, you follow their advice or you listen to what they say when they're in fact being manipulated by this sinister spirit that's using the loved one. 
Hence the term familiar spirit. The devil is trying to use someone you are familiar with. And he uses that familiarity and the manipulation of the person to make you believe something that isn't true or to take you away from something you should be doing. And, and we all have seen experiences of that. And uh, I'll get into a little more of that later, but, but that was the idea. So when Jesus is declaring to the disciples one day uh, about his church, and uh, he asks them, whom do men say that I am? And, and, and of course, some say you're uh, John the Baptist, some say you're a prophet, some say you're this, some say you're that. And, and Peter just spoke up and said, thou art a Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus took that statement and said, upon this rock, upon your revelation, Peter, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. <clears throat> the revelation of who Jesus was, the mighty God in Christ, hallelujah, D deity wrapped in the clothes of humanity, hallelujah, the Son of God, on this rock, I'll build my church. And of course, a major religion took and completely misinterpreted that and turned it into the, the person of Peter and, and made him the first pope. And of course, that whole thing was wrong. Uh, because it was the revelation of who Jesus was that the church is built on. Today, we're built on this premise that God manifests himself in the flesh, reconciling the world unto himself. Hallelujah. Came down into your and my living room. Walked down amongst us. Walked in our shoes. Ate our food. Breathed our air. Went through our duress and our trouble and our problem uh, so that he in turn could become a comforter to any situation or circumstance we would ever face. Hallelujah. So this is a great day. We quote this scripture all the time. Upon this rock I'll build my church. This is the apostolic premise. This is the apostolic truth. Uh, the gates of hell cannot prevail against it. That's why, that's why uh, churches that have been through all kinds of problems and troubles and divisions and splits still are uh, sustained by that scripture. The gates of hell will not prevail. The, the, the scheme of hell, the conspiracy of the devils of hell cannot stop this church. This church is underwritten by the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. It has victory and triumph in its blood veins. It's got the power of God in its cells. You cannot defeat it. You cannot beat it. You can't hold it back. It's full of purpose. It's full of direction. It's got destiny written all over it. And on this rock, I'll build that church. So they're excited and, and, you know, boy, Peter, they're, they're kind of patting him on the back. Man, Peter, that was fantastic. Glad you spoke up. That, that was great. 
uh, way to go, Peter, and then, you know, all this and that. And uh, so the Lord keeps on talking and keeps on talking. And a few minutes later, the Lord whirls around after Peter says something else and looks at him and says, get thee behind me, Satan. No, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. This is the guy that you just said upon this rock, upon the revelation you've got, I'll build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail. Lord, you just said that. And he's saying, get thee behind me, Satan. You're being used of the devil right now. You're my friend. You're my supporter. And the devil has gotten into your thinking. You're trying to stop me from going to Calvary. I've got to go to Calvary. I've got to lay down my life. This blood has to pour out of this body before the sins of the world can be reconciled and redeemed. This has to happen. You're trying to stop me. Get thee behind me, Satan. Hallelujah. And, and, and right at that point, the Lord realized that he was doing battle against someone who was his supporter. And of course, being as sensitive as, as he was, being so very clear about the works of darkness and, and the works of Satan, he recognized the spirit behind Peter's good intention. He recognized that. I'm here to tell you today that the devil will use every tool in his toolbox to pry you away from your strong grip on your salvation. He'll use his crowbar of influence. He'll use his chisel of divisiveness. He'll try to split you away from people by innuendo, by all kinds of rumors, by all kinds of hidden agendas. He'll do everything he can to destroy your faith in God. Even coming through your friends, through your family, through people you have confidence. Hallelujah. And he will do all in his power to stop you. Somebody said, well, why is the devil so intent on destroying me? Because the only joy he has is in keeping you from going to heaven and sending you into the darkness of hell. That's his only joy. He's a damned creature that's already damned to hell. And he's going to take everybody he possibly can with him. Now, let me just bring some scenarios to you while I'm talking about this particular uh, activity. Let me me talk to you about when you were a teenager and you went to high school and somebody came up to you and offered you a cigarette. You'd never smoked a cigarette in your life. And yet, uh, it was offered in such a way that... uh, Uh, you you take and smoke this because the rest of us are smoking. And if you want to be a part of us, you're going to have to smoke. That was the peer pressure. Here, here, here's a cigarette. And first time you tried it, it was terrible. Because obviously, it's never meant for a dirty weed uh, and smoke combined with nicotine and everything else that's in that tar package to go into the tender, uh, cellular, and, and the beautiful makeup of human organs. Never meant to. It's a toxin. It's a poison. It's carcinogens. And, and yet, the devil is pushing it on you. Poison. But in your youthful mind, you're not looking at the 
poisonous little nail in a coffin, you're thinking, well, if I want to be a part of the, of the guys or a part of the girls, same thing with the alcohol. We're going to have a party and we're going to get some booze. Well, we're not allowed to. We're underage. It doesn't make any difference. We got it. Nobody will know it. We're just going to, we're just going to get, uh, uh, you know, kind of hung out at the party. Come on, let's just, let's just go and have a big time. And, and so the pressure was there and he was using your so-called friends. He was using your so-called friends. How many people 30, 40 years later have their lives cut short by 20, 25, 30 years in an oncology ward because a friend walked up with a dirty little weed wrapped in a white paper and offered it to them or a bottle of Jack Daniels and offered it to them. How many people have lost their marriages, have lost their families, have lost their minds, have been afflicted with diseases of every type and kind because a familiar spirit came up to them and tempted them and drew them astray. Hallelujah. I'm telling you the devil is an enemy and an adversary that is after you every minute that you live. Hallelujah. The devil walked right into that group of angels in Job, the first chapter, when the sons of God came together to worship God, walked right in there with brass and audacity. And the devil said, what in the world are you doing here, you reprobate? What do you come in here for? And he said, I'm going up throughout the earth to and fro looking for someone I can get a hold of. I'm busy trying to destroy the souls of men. He has been from the beginning of time. So he went to church that day with the angelic host. He came to church here today. But let me tell you something. This room is full of light. This room is full of glory. This room is filled with the anointing of God. Hallelujah. We rebuke that spirit. We rebuke that devil. We rebuke that whole thinking of manipulation and attempt to hurt people of God. Hallelujah. Woo! Something powerful about this this whole warfare. You've heard the term spiritual warfare. It's very real. It's very real. The, the, the whole idea of false religion, it comes from a familiar spirit. It comes from mothers and fathers that take their children to the church that preaches a false doctrine or not enough doctrine or something shy of salvation. How many churches today are theologically on the, on the wrong side of Calvary? They will never come over to the other side of Calvary. They'll never read Jesus' words, go and tarry in Jerusalem until you're being due with power from on high. Because a familiar spirit says, oh, will you? You're just saved when you say a little prayer and ask God for forgiveness. A familiar spirit will say, this is what grandma and grandpa believe. This is what we believe. And now this is what you have to believe. Friend, don't ever take mom and dad's word for it unless it's in this book. You have a right to go to this book. When that veil was rent and torn in the temple, it opened the way into the throne of God for every one of us. 
We can go directly to God and His Word for our relationship with Him. Man, I might be a pastor today. I might be a preacher today. But I didn't just come to preach. I came to worship God with you. I'm a soul that needs to be drenched with the holy water that flows from the living water of God from the heavens. The Holy Ghost is being poured out in this place right now. It's coming down in copious showers. A blessing right now. The presence of the Lord is here. The presence of the Lord is here. I can feel it in the atmosphere. My God. Hallelujah. You know what? You know what you're feeling right now? You're feeling that glory spout that you got under years ago when you came to God and got the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Somehow you escaped uh, the trap of the familiar spirit. Uh, Somehow you shucked off uh, all the influences that would have kept you from this. uh, And a friend came and said, go with me to a place uh, where they'll tell you exactly what the word of God says. Uh, They'll deliver into you the whole counsel of God. Uh, They'll tell you all about the blood. Uh, They'll tell you about Calvary. They'll tell you about the grave. Uh, They'll tell you about Pentecost. Uh, They'll tell you about the overcoming victory. Uh, They'll tell you about the gifts of the Spirit. They'll tell you about the mighty explosiveness, the dunamis that's in the Holy Ghost. So what did what happened when you first heard about the truth? What happened? What happened was, I ran to a stranger. You tried religion. You, you tried the priesthood, the Levites. And they just kind of looked at you and walked on. But you were beaten. And you were bleeding. In fact... There's a chance you might bleed out. And they walked past you in some cases because they weren't interested. In other cases, they didn't know what to tell you to do about such a severe situation. I've had numerous people tell me, tell my father when he was a pastor, that they were sent to our churches because their church didn't have an answer for what the sinner needed, what the person in need needed. They, did, they, didn't, they didn't have the biblical answer. You know, there's some things polite little kneel-down prayers don't deal with. This is spiritual warfare. He'll have you so depressed, you can't tell if you're up down. You can't tell if it's day, night. You can't tell 
who's coming, who's going, where you've been, where you're going. You don't know anything about anything because the devil has clobbered you. He has bashed you. He has knocked you into submission. And you, you don't know how to get out of it. You've been through failed marriages. You've had friends betray you. You've had all kinds of disruption in your life. And, and you don't know where to turn. And there's only one place to turn. And that's to the truth. And that's to the message of the Holy Ghost fire. Hallelujah. A baptism that goes so deep down into your soul. There's no sin. There's no iniquity deep enough that the Holy Ghost can't go in it and burn it out. Hallelujah. There's no addiction strong enough that the Holy Ghost can't destroy that addiction. There's no bondage strong enough that the Holy Ghost can't snap those chains. So somebody invited you to go to the Apostolic Church. They said, oh, let's go over here. And, and, and you said, what, what do you mean, holy rollers? You, you, and them people that, that, that go shouting and the strange people over there? Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't know. I, I've heard so much about that bunch. In fact, my, my grandpa told me to stay away from them. They're crazy. I just, had a, I just had a person tell me that recently. They came to our church and they were looking for God. They said, my grandparents told me to stay away from this bunch of crazy people. But you see, the stranger, you weren't familiar with this stranger. Because he was not included in your upbringing. He was not included in your schooling. Madeline Mary O'Hare took all the knowledge about, of him out of the public schools and the prayer out of it. De-emphasized the whole thing. So a whole generations of people grew up not knowing anything about the stranger. But there is this individual. After you've tried everything and everything has failed. The cocaine has failed. The hallucinogenic drugs have failed. The booze have failed. The women and the men have failed. Everything has failed. All the parties have failed. Everything, religion has failed. But there's a stranger coming down the road. Ha! There's a stranger coming down the road. There's an unknown person come down the road. And he's got healing in his bag. And he's got medicine in his hand. Woo! Hallelujah, hallelujah. These people are drunken as ye suppose. Seeing it is but the third hour of the day. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days. After you've tried everything human race in the last days. After you've been through religion human race in the last days. There's a stranger coming down the road. He's got something in his bag. He's got a new language for you. He's got a new feeling for you. He's got Joy unspeakable and full of glory. Oh, oh hallelujah. And I came to praise him today. I came to touch him today. Yeah. 
See this? Just stay standing right where those of you on your feet. Because you're going you're to get back up anyway. There's people sitting here right now. You haven't let go in some time. From the days you first got the Holy Ghost. Because you sat around some Pentecostal so long that are become dormant. Hallelujah. And the familiar spirit moves in amongst people. And, and it combines with the style consciousness of our modern times. And human dignity. Hallelujah. Look at my coat. Look at, look at my coordinated outfit here today. And uh, I, I've come here to let all of you enjoy my presence today. And, and I've got human dignity. And, I, and I've got this. And, and I've got that. And that human spirit builds up your self-consciousness. What will they think if you get out in the island dance? What in the world would they think if you ran them miles like you used to? Friend, I'll tell you what they'd think. It would electrify them and it would cause the deep to call into the deep. It would cause the water spouts to burst. It would call an old time apostolic outpouring. Oh, hallelujah. What are you, what are you doing? What are you doing having a convulsion in there? No, I'm having a Holy Ghost convulsion. I'm having a Holy Ghost fit. Friend, when the Holy Ghost gets in you, you forget about yourself. You forget about you. You forget about your priorities. Hallelujah. And you let go and let God. And I'm telling you, you are standing in the holy of holies of the New Testament. You're standing in the unleashed presence of God. Mm. Because if you hunger and thirst after righteousness, ye shall be filled why do you think over a billion people believe in a human priesthood and still burning candles still offering incense still praying for dead people why do you think they do that because a familiar spirit directed their parents to go to those schools and indoctrinate them in that way. There's no such thing as a human priesthood anymore. There's no such thing. It ended with the Old Testament. When the veil was rent, the priesthood left. The physical burning candles left. The labor of water left. All of it left. There's no more. There's no candlestick. It's all gone. But it's complete in Him. He's the lamb. He's the spilled blood. He's the high priest. He's the labor of water. 
He's the golden candlestick. He's the bread of life. He's the one that we worship. He's the mercy seat. And I'm running to the mercy seat. I'm running to the mercy seat. There's no curtains. There's no people between me and the mercy seat. I want somebody that feels this deep down in your soul right now. I want you to get out from where you're at. I, I, I want you to feel so hungry right now. And, and it's been a while. There's a revival starting next week. You need to be primed and pumped. Hallelujah. Your presence in this altar can telegraph can transmit to somebody else their need for God you lift up your hands you ignore that whispering noise and sound in your ear that says don't go down there you lift up those hands you lift up those hands hallelujah hallelujah you lift up those hands and you wave them before him Hallelujah. Ooh. Oh, this place is saturated. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Open that mouth and speak forth the mighty praises of God. Oh, my God is great.